How many are thankful for the forgiveness of the Lord? Amen. We have so much to be grateful for. Happy Father's Day. I want to thank you all for coming today, and I'm thankful for fathers and all that they do in our lives. I had a great dad, and I'm very thankful for that. He was kind. He was gentle, but uh, he also took care of business when business needed to be taken care of, if you know what I mean. And um, often with me, there was a great deal of business that needed to be taken care of. So if you're a father here today or planning on being one someday, what you are today is probably what you will become and what you will pass on to your children. So think about that as you think about those things. And it's important to be a good father. And uh, we've been talking through some things on Wednesday night about family. And so if you're interested in coming on Wednesday night to learn a little bit more about that. I won't preach the same messages I preached on Wednesday night tonight, today, but uh, it'd be uh, helpful to you, I believe. So we're pretty excited about that. In the summer, this summer, July, I have my dad coming up, and he's going to uh, preach a couple of those for us. And so I believe he's a great father. He's raised four so far successful children, and so we're just grateful for him. So I want him to just impart some wisdom to our people. So that'll be July, in the middle of July there. We'll get you the dates for sure. But uh, we're excited about that. So I'm thankful for my dad. I hope, hopefully you're thankful for your dad. And if you're a dad here today, I want to challenge you and encourage you to just keep doing the right thing. Keep on doing what the Lord has called us to do. Would you turn your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 6? Acts chapter 6. Now, while you're turning there, I have one question to ask you this morning. It has two answers. <laughs> what are the two things that we are never supposed to discuss in public? I heard it. Say, it. say it again. Politics and religion. Guess what? We're going to talk about both of those things today. <laughs> um, here at Bible Baptist, we've made a pretty intentional decision not to use this platform to talk about politics. Um, all throughout COVID, we tried to stay away from that try to stay away from talking about that during election time. We do try to stay away from that, not necessarily um, because we just don't think this is the place, okay? So you're thinking, well, what are you going to talk about today then? But what if today we spend a little bit of time talking about politics in church? Canadian politics. No, not Canadian politics. Oh, so you're thinking, oh, goody, American politics then, right? Yes. That's exciting stuff right there. Nope. Today we're going to talk about church politics. Church politics. On Father's Day? Really? I can't think of a better thing to talk about on Father's Day than church politics. <laughs> oh boy. This should be rich. Playing politics in church is something that happens on a pretty regular basis. We will often lie, cheat, steal just to look better than the person next to us, okay? When you think of a politician, we think of a person who lies, cheats, and steals just to get into a position of office. In fact, most of them will make a promise just to get into a, an office, and then they'll never accomplish what they said that they were going to accomplish. We have a running joke that every time a politician opens their mouth, they're lying, right? And if you're a politician and they end up listening to this, listen, we do pray for you. We're poking a little bit of fun at you, but we honestly, I think it's important that we pray for our politicians. 
But when we get into church and we get into church politics, there are people in church that will lie, cheat, and steal, do anything they can just to look better than the person next to them. Very often, it is the person who tries to rise to the top political ladder so that we can be the top dog and have the influence in the church and make major decisions in a church. We want to look better. We want to be a, a, a influencer in the church. Very often, that person is the person with the most money, the, often the person that's the loudest, and often the person who wants to be powerful. If we are not careful, though, this is what church politics will look at at Bible Baptist Church. If you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. Church politics ought never to look like the world's politics. Okay? Church politics ought never to look like the world's politics. Again, anymore, our country's politics is all about power, all about having a say. Politics used to be about what is the best way to serve the Canadian people. That's what politics used to be about. Politics used to be about the best way to serve Canadian people. Politics used to be about people. You see, the same is true about the church, though, too. You see, the church at its core used to be about serving people. The question today is, is it still? Is it still? Or are we just trying to look better than everybody else? I mean, I'm talking about not just looking better in the church, but looking better in our communities and saying, well, I go to church I am a Christian. In the church, there are two different offices. 1 Timothy chapter 3 describes the two specific different offices in the church. Number one, the office of a bishop. Okay? The second one is the office of a deacon. These two offices are dedicated in the Bible to serving people. To serving people. Not for a title, not for prestige, not for power, but to serve. I have the opportunity to be the pastor of Bible Baptist Church. Does that make me, look at me, I'm the pastor of Bible Baptist Church. Everybody must now serve me. No. Here's the reality is, I get to serve you. I, when, you when you pick up the phone and say, Pastor Yeomans, I need you to pray for me, it'd be my privilege to pray for you. Pastor Yeomans, I need you to come over right now. We're having some trouble with something. Uh, it'd be my pleasure This is what we get to do. These two offices are called offices because they are the leadership fabric of the church. The leadership fabric of the church is made to serve the church. Let me say that again. The leadership fabric of the church is made to serve the church. Bible Baptist Church is somewhat of a successful church. We stand for the truth. We stand on the truth. We try to do things the the way the Bible prescribes us to do them. And let's be honest, we've seen some great things happen in our church's history. Almost almost 50 years, Bible Baptist Church has been in existence. We're encroaching on that very quickly. It's exciting. We've seen some great things happening here, but in our study of the book of Acts, it has become very clear that we are not doing something completely biblical. 
We have a few people that have the office of the bishop. Pastor Holland and myself now, we have that office, overseer. We'll find out later, elders is another Bible word for this. But currently, Bible Baptist does not have anyone in the office of the deacon. Nobody in the office of the deacon. As already discussed last week, not only are we seeing the physical need for this, but we're also seeing the biblical need for people to step into the office of a deacon. Some of you may think, well, what does this have to do with Father's Day, and what does this have to do with anything? Here's the reality. We need deacons. We need deacons. You say, why in the world would you need the office of a deacon? Well, here's why. Deacon simply means this, servant. Deacon simply means servant. Acts chapter 6 describes why we have a need for deacons. And I want you to notice this. Verse 1, the Bible says, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there the murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Why? Because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Verse 4, But we, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Deacons are needed to take care of the physical needs of the church. For what purpose? Not just to help people, but so that the elders, the bishops, the pastors, they can take care of the spiritual needs of the church. Some of you may ask yourselves the question, well, what does Pastor Yeomans and Pastor Holland do all day? On average, for this Sunday morning message, I'm spending 15 hours in preparation. I would love to spend more. And sometimes I think I need to spend more. And then, if you add in small groups, that's about five or six hours of preparation. Then, if you add in Wednesday night service, that's at least, at least eight hours of preparation. Then if you add in communion service, there's another several hours of preparation. Are you adding these things up? Now, obviously, it's pretty obvious that we don't work a 40-hour week anymore. What I'm trying to get you to see is that spending time in the Word of God is not something that we take lightly here at Bible Baptist. It's something that we want to put a great deal of time and effort in. Because why? What's the purpose of spending so much time in the Word of God? Well, the reality is if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll start teaching and preaching false doctrine or we'll, we'll get loose and we'll, we won't do what God has called us to do and we won't be propelling forward the cause of Jesus Christ. We'll, no long, we'll cease to be the pillar and ground of the truth. We need the Word of God active in our life. The Word of God changes lives. And listen, I realize that not all of you are prepared to spend close to 40 hours a week studying the Word of God. That's okay. You're, you may not be gifted toward that. The Lord has gifted me toward that, and I'm excited about it. 
But here's the reality. Some of you have been gifted to serve in a different way. Some of you have been gifted to serve by serving tables. Some of you have been gifted to serve by being uh, uh, just a, a listening ear. Some of you have been gifted to serve. Now, we, before we get too far into this, the majority of us will probably begin to excuse ourselves from this message if you haven't already. Ah, this, is, this message isn't for me. You'll begin to push this idea out of your head because we're not, quote, called to be a deacon. Well, the Lord's never touched me on the shoulder, and I've never heard his audible voice that I am called to be a deacon. I want to stop you. Don't you dare start thinking like that. But here's the reality. Every single one of us is to be a servant. Part of our purpose in life is to serve. Part of our purpose in life is to serve. Take your Bibles with me and turn over to Matthew chapter 20. We're going to have to wake you up a little bit, so we're going to turn over there. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 25. Matthew chapter 20 and verse Matthew 20 and verse 25, the Bible says, But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, watch this, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I think sometimes we think, well, I don't have to be a servant. I've never been called to that position. Listen, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you are to be a servant. Even as Jesus Christ came into this world to minister, not to be ministered unto. You see, that's what we think about church, don't we? Well, I'm coming to church to be ministered to. Pastor Yeomans, you better give me something good today. Man, that, that song service better be right on today. We better not have any mistakes today. I don't want to come and hear mistakes. I'm coming to be ministered unto. And listen, there's a part of that and a part of our lives that we need that. And if you're sitting here today and you've been hurt or you've been going through a very difficult time, listen, I understand that. You do need to be ministered unto. But when we get into this mentality of consumeristic church, what we've accomplished is anti-biblical. See, God called us to be servants. So we, before we start thinking like we do in Canadian politics, that someone else will do this, right? Well, I'll just vote someone else in. Someone else will take care of it. This idea is directed at every believer. Everyone who knows Jesus Christ as their personal Savior must be a servant. Let me ask this question. How important are deacons to the health of a church? Just think about that for a second. How important are deacons to the health of a church? 
Well, to borrow from an author, his name's Matt Smethurst, he says this, crucial enough for God to carve out an official position for select members recognized as model servants to mobilize practical service in creative ways. That's pretty important. God has carved out some excruciating, amazing, hard jobs for people. You know, being a servant is not easy, right? Sometimes it's extremely difficult. Sometimes it's a great deal of pain. Sometimes it's a great deal of struggle. And you say, you're not making this sound very good. You know, raising children's not all that easy either. Sometimes it's excruciating. Sometimes it's frustrating. Sometimes it's so rewarding, you just want to fall over that that even happened. But what do we do? We have children. What does God call us to do? He says, I want you to serve. I want you to serve. I want you to serve. It's crucial. So you may ask, well, what is a deacon anyway? As already described, he's a servant. Before I talk about what a deacon is, I want to talk about what a deacon is not. What a deacon is not. Most of these come from how deacons have tried to function in churches over the years. I've been a part of church since I was born before I was born, to be honest. And so I know a few of these things, and I've seen a few of these things, and so I want to establish some of these things as we walk through this. Number one, a deacon is not a power trip position. A deacon is not a power trip position. Deacons are not in a position to gain power over the people, right? A politician is not there to gain power over the people. A deacon is there to simply what? Serve. Serve. Mark chapter 10 and verse 42. You can see this on your screen. But Jesus called unto them and saith, Ye know that they which accounted, are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And their great ones exercise authority upon them. So this is the same verse that we read in Matthew chapter 20, same idea. And here's the idea. Most people, when they get a position of authority, they want to use it to lord over. You're going to do what I want you to do. That's what the Gentiles do. That's what the heathen do. But he says this. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever will be chiefest shall be servant of all. So this is not a power trip position. It is a servant position. Number two, it is not a check and balance on a pastor. Let me say that again. Deacons are not a check and balance on the pastor. Don't worry. We'll talk about accountability for the pastor later on. Because there is accountability for a pastor. But for now, a deacon is not an accountability. A deacon is a servant. A deacon is a servant. A person with this attitude who thinks, I am going to keep the pastor in line. What happens is he often develops a quarrelsome spirit. He's always looking for ways to stand up against the pastor so that he can stop him and keep him humble, keep him accountable. Again, this is not the heartbeat of a deacon. A deacon is there to serve in any way he's needed. Hey, Deacon Jones, 
I need your chainsaw. Hey, Deacon Jones, I need your time. I need your effort. I need something. I'm here to serve. A deacon is there to serve any way he is needed. He is ready, willing, and able to serve. Number three, a deacon is not a liaison between pastor and people. Let me say that again. A deacon is not a liaison between pastor and people. Often people will go to a deacon to express a concern instead of coming directly to the person in whom they have a concern with. Let me say that again. A deacon is not a liaison between pastor and people. Often when we have a problem, what do we do? We don't go directly to the person. We go to someone else and say, hey, I'm having a problem with this person. No, listen, the Bible makes it very clear. We need to go directly to the person. Remember, church politics is not Canadian politics. You realize that we'll never probably have access to the Prime Minister of Canada, right? So what do we have? We have local MPs in which we go to and we express our concerns to those local MPs and then they vote on our behalf. That's, that's Canadian politics. That's not church politics. In fact, let me give you a verse, Matthew 18, 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Go tell him. Hey, so-and-so has a problem with so-and-so. Well, so-and-so and so-and-so should get together. And there's a great deal of this that goes on. Let me be extremely clear here. Anything we do besides going to the person directly, hear this, is called gossip. It's called gossip. And if you're in the habit of writing things down, I want everybody to write this down. Gossip is extremely unbiblical. Like extremely. So a deacon is not a liaison between pastor and and people, number four, a deacon is not a governing board. A deacon is not a governing board. The deacons are not a governing board of directors who sit high above the people. Oh, they live in Ottawa, and they go to Ottawa to make decisions. Oh, they have a deacons meeting on such and such a night, and they're making all the decisions for the church. Again, they're not making the big directional decisions for the church. What are they doing? They're making very practical decisions to fulfill the physical needs of the church. So now that we know what they're not supposed to be, let's take a look at what exactly they are supposed to do. Acts chapter 6 and verse 2, if you'll go back there with me. Acts chapter 6 and verse 2. The Bible says this, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God, and here it is, and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Number one, they are servants. They are servants. We hit this over and over and over and over and over and over again. Deacon means servant. A deacon is an incredible and powerful servant. 
using his talents and his abilities to fulfill God's purpose for his life and just serve. One author put it this way, I love it. The loftiness of the office is seen in, number one, the character of the individuals required to fill it. The fact that this facilitates the ministry of the word and prayer and the unifying and strengthening effect it has on the whole church. They're servants. You know, when you think of servants, this is what we think of. Ah, they're just servants. It's like the waitress or the waiter, right? How do you treat a waiter or a waitress? It says a lot about your character, actually. Well, most of us, we think, hey, where's my water? Hey, I need some ketchup. That's what we think about a servant. Listen, this is not a lowly serving tables that you serve in high school or college just to get by. This is a preeminent position. This is a position that is lofty, something that we, we ought to strive for, that we get to do. Not to lord over the people, but simply just to serve. I want to help. Why? Because look at, look at these again. Number one, it's the character of the individuals required to fill it. There's a great deal of character. We're going to get into that in a second. The fact that this facilitates the ministry of the word and prayer. I'm putting such a preeminent thing on this because it helps us spend time in the word of God in prayer. And then number three, the unifying and strengthening, strengthening effect it has on the whole church. Listen, as a deacon, to fulfill the office of a deacon, you are strengthening the entire church. Deacons are an incredibly important part of the fabric of the church. As such, they have some pretty important prerequisites to be in their position. Number one, they are of honest report. Of honest report. The deacons are men, as W.E. Vine put it, well reported of well reported of. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 10, the Bible tells us that they must be blameless. Blameless. So to put it lightly, they have a good reputation. They have a good reputation. There are not hidden things in the closets of their lives. The people in their broader community speak very highly of them. They are respectable. You might be sitting there thinking, Pastor Yeomans, why is this important? Why do they need to be honest? Why do they need to be of honest report? Well, as a servant, they need to be trusted. They need to be trusted. Matthew chapter 25, 24, excuse me, verse 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? You realize that you are, as a deacon, you're serving people. You're going to be helping people. You're going to be giving yourself to people. You must be of good report, of honest report. You must be. Number two, they are spiritual. Notice with me. So, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report. Notice this, full of the Holy Ghost. Deacons are full of the Holy Spirit. They are obviously walking with the Lord. It's, everybody can tell they are not fulfilling the lust of their flesh. They are overcoming their flesh. They are having victory in the Lord. Again, why is this important? 
Because deacons are going to be serving all kinds of different people. You know what's really easy? Is when we serve the really, really nice people. And the people who are like, hey, let me give you some money for your time. We like serving those people, don't we? Deacons are not called to just serve the rich and the nice. Deacons are going to be serving people who are not very nice. Deacons are called to serve people who just listen, just, just want to take advantage. You say, again, you're not making this sound very thrilling, but listen, I want to make this very clear. Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and listen, to give his life a ransom for many. You see, we're not going to be serving people. We're not going to be giving our lives to people who will repay us. You see, Jesus didn't give his life for us to repay him. He knew that there'd be millions upon millions, if not billions or trillions of people who would say, thanks for dying, but no thanks. And reject him. That's the same way that our minds need to think when we're ministering. I'm not ministering for a reward. I'm not ministering for some specific reason to get some glory. Listen, I'm just serving to help people, to build the church. Not only are they full of the Holy Spirit, number three, they're full of wisdom. Notice verse three again. Seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Notice with me in, in Acts chapter six. You know what the apostles never tell these men? They never tell them how it needs to be done. You notice that? They never tell them the, the way in which they need to serve the widows. Never does. They say, here's the problem. You're of good report. You're full of the Holy Ghost. You're full of wisdom. Go figure it out. They need to be full of wisdom. This is not just take care, taking care of known problems but also identifying and handling potential problems. Again, this is not somebody who's just good at problem solving. A deacon needs to be full of wisdom so that he will be able to handle problems in order to safeguard the unity of the church. Has there ever been a time where you made a decision and you're like, I'm making this decision and I don't care what anybody else thinks? Sometimes there's a need for that, but most of the time, as a deacon, as a servant, what do you need? You need wisdom to safeguard the unity of the church. Incredibly important. You might ask this question, why in the world would I ever sign up to be a deacon? Why in the world would I ever sign up to be a servant, Pastor Yeomans? You have not made this a very uh, wonderful sermon. I want you to look at Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. At the end of this story, we see this. 
And the word of God did what? Increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. I can't think of a better reason than for the word of God to increase and the number of the disciples multiply. And priests, they're coming to the word too. That's a big deal. I want to end today with two quotes. Pay attention to these, please. Number one, deacons wrongly deployed can have a ministry, but deacons rightly deployed can double it. Second one, a congregation without biblically functioning deacons is impoverished, but a congregation with them is incalculably rich. Let me ask this question. Who are going to be the deacons at Bible Baptist? Yes, we will have the office of a deacon. We'll talk more about qualifications next week. But what about just, just deacons, just servants? Just people who are willing to serve. Anything you need, I'll be there. You just let me know. I'll be there. You just let me know what you need. I, I will be one of those deacons. I will be one of those servants. Fathers, what an amazing thing to teach your son. We're just going to serve others. We're not going to sit around and wait for others to serve us. We're going to serve others. You know that widow lady who needs her garbage taken out every week? Oh yeah, it's inconvenient. But hey son, let's go take her garbage out. You know that person who needs, uh, uh, she's a single mom and she just needs her, her children looked after once a week? Hey daughter, let's go babysit for her. Let's get you fit into that. Listen, what a better way to pass on to your children the heartbeat of God than to say, I'll serve. I'll serve. I realize that today is not the most exciting, daunting message. And some of you have likely fallen asleep in your mind, if not physically. But can I tell you this? This will be one of the most important decisions this church ever makes. Because we just need people who will volunteer to serve. Not serve me, but serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all you do for us. Father, what a privilege it is to be here. Father, I pray that you would use your word to accomplish what you want in the lives of your people. Father, that you would have church politics be far different than this world's politics. And might Bible Baptist Church be that. 
Father, if there's one person here today that doesn't know you as personal Savior, Father, maybe they're a bit confused as to why we would preach a message like this. Pray that you'd still do a work in their hearts, minds. Father, if they have any questions, I pray that they would ask. Again, Father, we ask that your will be done here today. Father, we'll give you the praise, the honor, and glory for it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.